Section 7 of The Progressive Woman, Volume 7, Number 75, October 1913. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Unrest of Women, A Reply, by Josephine Conger Kaneko. Another man has written a book about women, for ages, piled upon ages, about all the books that have been written about women were written by men. If it were not impolite, we might be moved to ask if that is why so little has been written about them up to the last decade or two. But to ask we're to hint that women have been neglected. Anyway, women are not neglected today, so they should worry about the dead past. Mr. Martin is the man who has written the book in question, and he calls it The Unrest of Women. New and startling title. Mr. Martin takes up first the invasion of industry by women. The tendency is a new and bad one, he says. The home suffers, and a woman really does not make good. Motherhood, Mr. Martin insists, is woman's real business in life. All women who are not mothers have no business in life. He says that in motherhood, woman is indispensable and unrivaled. Now it is real nice of Mr. Martin to say that. But he means, of course, that men can't be mothers, and that women will be permitted to hold down the only job that men can't very well work at. Mr. Martin says that motherhood is by so much the more important calling to which women must look forward, that for the general run of women, all the other employments are of negligible moment in comparison with it, and have to be considered on a basis of their relation to it. To that calling the great mass of women in due time find their way. The great majority of women bear children, but they do not spend all their lives bearing or even rearing children. The great majority of women do a lot of things besides. They cook, scrub, wash, sew, mend, nurse. In fact, they follow the business of housekeeping on board wages. And if cooking, scrubbing, washing, and short housework generally is an employment to be considered on a basis of its relation to motherhood, then we would point, Mr. Martin, to statistics which show that among the shortest-lived industrial workers are the cooks and general charwomen for families. Any girl will prefer neat, light office work, and any prospective mother is infinitely better off running a typewriter than scrubbing floors and cooking over hot stoves. Why does not Mr. Martin say that a woman's natural calling is housekeeping, with childbearing an incidental part of it? Mr. Martin would not dare to say this because it would refute his argument that woman's calling is childbearing. It would prove that woman is a part of the world's industrial body, just as man is a part of that body. It would prove that the world has depended age upon age upon the labor of woman, just as it is depending upon her labor today. Mr. Martin holds that woman should not break her way into man's kingdom and demand equal rights. The better way, he says, is to make the woman's own kingdom habitable again, and to get all the modern improvements into it, and to win her back to live in and rule it, or at least check her exodus. Mr. Martin possesses the harem mine, but he lives in the wrong country. We can't get all the modern improvements into the home again. The modern laundry would not fit into the average city flat. The bakeries, turning out thousands of loaves of bread a day, would somewhat inconvenience the inhabitants of a home. The factory must stay where it is. In short, woman must remain in the home with idle hands, under a perfected industrial system, or she must follow the industries into their new habitations. 
Mr. Martin is right when he says that the woman problem is a part, and especially a symptom, of our political system. Not until we are politically sane, not until all the factors of our body social are considered politically, will women come into her own. But it, the political problem, has got to be worked out by the ablest political minds our country can produce, says Mr. Martin, and the ablest and least distracted minds for such matters are still the minds of the ablest men. Nothing but prejudice could father such a statement as the above, in view of the existing facts proving woman's fitness for coping with important social problems. The records of the Federated Women's Clubs are wonderful testimony to their fitness. Today the juvenile court is a proud feature of masculine government throughout the nation. It came into existence through the insistent work of the Cook County, Illinois, Federation of Women's Clubs. The women are responsible for the small park and playground movement. The Chicago woman introduced a forestry department, which is now a branch of the city government. They organized the industrial school for girls. They started the kindergarten, which is now a legitimate part of the public school system. They have done without the ballot scores of things which simply prove their ability to wield that instrument to the advantage of the whole social body. Suffrage for women in California has had a brief time in which to be tested. The passing of the following laws is a fair result. An act providing for the abatement of houses of prostitution. An equal guardianship act making father and mother equal parents of their children. The Bastardy Act requiring fathers to support their illegitimate children. The Minimum Wage Act. An act regulating the employment of children providing that no minor under 18 years of age shall be employed more than eight hours a day, and that children under 12 shall not work for wages. An act defining the crime of rape, and raising the age of consent to 18 years. An act establishing a state training school for delinquent girls. An act providing for the establishment of a civic center in every public school in the state. An act providing for the payment of pensions to public school teachers another providing for the state registration of nurses, another providing for the public support of kindergartens, and another establishing a standard of weights and measures. Most of this, we observe, is legislation dealing with the intimate moral and social life of the people, the kind of legislation most vital to our general welfare. None of it shows grants and favors to corporations. None of it is bought or corrupt legislation which proves that women's minds are not distracted from their duties as citizens through their subservience as politicians. Women and the home means woman and the whole world. In modern interpretation, Mr. Martin, it doesn't mean woman and the harem. Abraham Lincoln gave us the foreword when he said, I go for all sharing the privileges of government who assist in bearing its burdens, by no means excluding women. End of section 7